Because once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. Back at it here on 88.3 WQTs. After further review, we got David the Man and got Harris on the phone lines. Here's some of his college and NFL winners and losers. We weren't here last week, so it might be a mouthful from him. Go ahead, David. All right, we're going to get things kicking off. We're going to start with last week and work our way back because there was a lot that happened in both the NFL and the college game, particularly because coaches are just Sometimes overthinking things a little bit too much, and so we'll we'll start with the losers because it's always more fun, and we'll go down to the state of Miami. It's been laughed at, mocked, ridiculed. If you didn't see the ending of the Miami Georgia Tech game, bone hit a decision to when you have the ball, and the game is pretty much over. More than likely, common sense is to just kneel it, let the clock run out, win the game. But in typical Miami fashion, they try to run the ball, which, again, unbeknownst to anyone as to why even the reason at the end of the game or in the postgame presser was not sufficient by any means. Ended up fumbling to attack those Plays of the field in less than 30 seconds, wins the game, last factory. And I don't want to say it's just Miami as a loser just because of that, but the entire game was just god-awful. Like, Georgia Tech is not a good football program. Yeah, they ended up losing a bowl I mean, of green the, the week before. Got blown out by BG. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is not a good – Georgia Tech football has never been great, even when they had Calvin Johnson. Like, let, let's call it state of state. And so for Miami to lose that game, kind of ride the momentum, forget about rankings, forget about conference championship. On top of that, now this week playing North Carolina and against Drake May, one of the better college football quarterbacks in the country – I wouldn't be surprised, and there are some, particularly within the Miami market, that says that this might go down as even worse than losing to mid-Tennessee State. Like, there's losses, there's gut-wrenching losses, and then there's, like, program embarrassing losses. But think about it, David. I understand take a knee, but in context... Shouldn't the player have held onto the ball? Because a lot of times you do run the ball to run the to run the clock out. And they gave they handed the ball off. He had it. He didn't secure the ball and he fumbled it. Now, in retrospect, do you blame the coaching staff for that or do you blame the player? I mean, you could have taken the knee. But at the same time, the other way has been used as well. You run the ball 
and he fell down, that probably if he doesn't fumble, that's the last play of the game, and they go on and get the win. For, like for me, just kind of putting both analysts and coaching hat on, why even risk it? Like when you hand the ball off, you just never know. You could trip and fall. Yes, yes, you obviously want to preach ball control, and I imagine coaches all over like, well, you know, like you said, if he holds on to it when he goes down instead of lose, instead of fumbling it, all we have is this conversation. I think for me, just the simple play analytics out the window, mm-hmm. just me it. Like, maybe if your quarterback, if you want to run around like you, you've seen it before, quarterback runs around for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then knees, or you know, slides just to burn a little bit more clock. Because as you know, in that situation, you get the ball, you know, you have to secure the ball. So for him to be, I guess, a little bit lackadaisical with it, you blame the player. Now, some people will say, "Well, I blame the coach because he put the player in that situation." But remember, this player, by the time if you're getting, if you're playing high division one football, you 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 know to know game time and situation. And, you know, I can understand that this was high school and the kids learning, but at the same time, though, I, I, it, it is kind of a bonehead play. But I'm looking at it also that I've seen several teams just run the clock out, run the ball for one more play, and down it basically. Um, you know, go down, just go down. You know, he went through, he was making an aggressive play, but you obviously know, hold it tight, go down, game's over. Like I said, it could have been easier just to take the knee, but I don't know. That that was a strange thing. And, and, and then the fans throwing garbage on the field was even interesting too. Yeah, I mean, when, when fans are mad and particularly, I'm not going to say college kids because it's, takes like in the eternity to get from Coral Gables to the Hard Rock Stadium. But those are more than likely older, you know, middle aged alums, like older people that know better. Like that's obviously uncalled for the classlessness and like throwing bottles at kids, like, come on. Like you guys are you are better than that. Mm-hmm. Some some people may not agree with that statement, but like why are you Yeah. Like, what does that do for you to throw an $8 bottle of water at a player mm-hmm. because your team blew it, both offensively and defensively? Because the, mm-hmm. on the game-winning touchdown catch, like, he was widely open. Like, that was just embarrassing on multiple levels. Right. So. But, yeah, so Miami, first big loser. Considering you got a list of losers, mm. Notre Dame, mm. just they were all season. Notre Dame has been playing with fire. Mm. Like we we saw it early on. We saw it in the game against Ohio State. We saw it against Duke. Now we saw it against Louisville. Mm. Like I I don't know if Notre Dame is. Good. Mm-hmm. Like ranking wise, like defensively, they look all right. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard when your offense can't do much, and so your defense is on the field a lot. It's hard struggling, trying to make plays when 
your playmakers aren't kind of playing the game that they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because you have a target on your back because you are Notre Dame. Everyone circles you on the schedule as, hey, this is a marquee win for our program. Maybe 25, 30 years ago, but now do people really look at Notre Dame as a marquee win? It's, it's, it's all about the name. Like, it, it's the same as someone were to beat, you know, Michigan. It's the same as someone were to beat Ohio State or, mm. you know, even I'll talk about, you know, losing to Texas later. For Oklahoma to beat Texas, it doesn't matter because, like, the, that name carries weight, at, at least for me. So if you're a Duke who football, not your, you know, mark, you know, cup of tea. If you're a Louisville who rarely beats Notre Dame in football, like for these kids, they can, you know, it goes back to that old, hey, I can tell my kids I played against University of Notre Dame, one of the pre- the blue bloods of college football, mm-hmm. and I beat them. So, like, I think, oh, like, on the field, it's not the same, mm-hmm. like, Notre Dame caliber class mm-hmm. as even the teams I went to a playoff a couple seasons ago. Right. But, but yeah, it's still, the name recognition, just like Notre Dame plays USC. Like, for those USC players, like they, they can say, I beat Notre Dame before we got embarrassed by Oregon. Like, <laughs> but like, in the prediction right now, boom. Well, yeah, yeah I, I don't trust this USC team either, mm-hmm. but as a whole other tangent. But yeah, I think Notre Dame, I don't want to say Notre Dame is in a rebuild because mm-hmm. to say Notre Dame and rebuild freaks out the donors and they never like to think of themselves in a rebuild no matter what their program looks like right but it's also you have a young coach Mm -hmm. you have a lot of talent but something is not clicking Mm -hmm. and i i don't know what the answer is Mm -hmm. and because you're at notre dame you're playing a tough schedule Mm -hmm out of conference. You're playing a tough schedule in conference. Right. And you have the weight of you put on that golden helmet, the expectation is we are here to win. Right. So and the, yeah, they're just dropping the ball. Right. Okay. I just mentioned them Texas. Finally they can shut up because yeah, you beat Alabama. Whoop you do. He blew out Kansas football. Ooh, great! Yeah, big rivalry. The one, the one game that actually matters for Texas, mm-hmm. and you guys. Like I, I, I had the fortunate ability to listen to that game just kind of on radio while I was out last week. But honestly, that game deserved to be a tie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma had the ball last, and in that rivalry and the way that game was going, particularly from mid to late third quarter on, it was whoever had the ball last was going to win the game, was going to have the best chance to win, like a full possession. And Texas then capitalized, some questionable coaching decisions. But now... Now, if you're a Texas program, you have this marquee win over Alabama. Again, 
has the name on the back of the helmet, but you lost a game that could pretty much define your season in Oklahoma. Obviously knocked you out of the rankings for the playoff mm-hmm. unless you know you bounce back and Oklahoma takes a step back. Right. Are you are you happy as a Texas fan? Because I because I guarantee you looking at the polls on social media and just kind of looking at and listening to those that are around the program, all of them would say we will lose to Alabama but take an Oklahoma win mm. because it's Oklahoma mm. Red River right so yeah but shout out to Oklahoma. I don't know if this is going to catapult them. I don't think their rankings deserve, but again, rankings at this point, right. they don't make sense, um, particularly the top 10, but that, that could be a whole other segment in and of itself. Right. Switching uh, to the pros or the guys that get paid a little bit more money, depending on your position. <laughs> there were a lot, just overall injuries to the NFL. Like this the past two weeks, we have seen so many knee injuries, MCLs, ACLs, ankles. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder, why are we seeing significantly more injuries this season than in years past? It, is, it the, is it the turf? Is it the players' cleats? We all know that because of player safety, they're trying to make the game more offensively heavy. And it's the offensive players that are the ones getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's hard for me to come up with an explanation that I could bring or propose if I were in the shoes of someone going in front of the NFLPA or the leagues or grounds. But we have to figure out why so many lower leg injuries. Because it's taking significant players out and it's defining season mm-hmm. like four weeks for the Arizona Cardinals pretty much star running back primary offensive weapon that's that could be four losses that's the difference between a top you know a pick in five to eight versus a pick in the top five right a, look at, at a team like Miami, granted they have 10,000 players that all run a 4-2, but Devin Achan, like him being out for four weeks, that could impact Miami. Because it's not just the four weeks that you're on injury reserve, it's the time to get back to full speed, if you can, with a knee injury, with a lower leg injury. Mm -hmm. On the defensive side of the ball, Dallas, um, Trayvon Diggs, He's out. I mean, granted, that was with practice, but again, lower leg injury. He's out for four weeks. Mm-hmm. Dallas, I'll talk to them you know, in a second, but that defense looks like poop, like without their star quarterback. Like these injuries are costing players game checks, livelihoods, and are impacting teams because. Coaches are hired, rehired, fired based upon the records. But if you're out there without your star players, 
can you have you can have some leeway, but some some owners may not care. Well, the owners with the, the a lot of the with the money bags or a lot of the money don't care. And unfortunately, a lot of the owners that have a lot of the money, they listen more to I guess sports talk shows or bloggers or whatever or people like us than they do is actually trying to listen to the, the the people they actually hire within the building or unless they're playing the buddy buddy game, they just hire inept people to run a franchise anyway. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just hate to see that. Kind of particularly this season, there's so much, so many high-profile players and just general role guys that are, you don't see their names in the newspaper mm-hmm. because they're in the trenches, and and because they're in the trenches, they don't get the big bucks like the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So their livelihood, their game checks aren't even as much. And so they're losing significant time. Yeah, it's just something kind of to think about, and we're not even into the the dog digs of the season, mm-hmm. and we're starting to see some of these bad injuries. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, it turns around. But, but yeah, fingers crossed. Right. Well, last loser, Dallas Cowboys. Just. I, I think Christian McCaffrey just scored again. Yeah, that was that uh, that that was a massacre there. The the Cowboys look atrocious, and people are talking about the Chicago Bears, but there's a red alert down there in Dallas. And I, and I hate to say it, you ever notice there's a there's kind of a connection here when the owner tries to be bigger than the organization than itself, you have problems. If you've noticed. Detroit is getting out of that trenches, but I, I'm still on the fence with Detroit. But if you notice the Fords with Detroit, the McCaskies with the Bears, and now Jerry Jones with the Cowboys, there's no growth in those organizations, and you get stale, and you see these things. Dallas, one minute they look like world beaters, the next minute they look like they did against the Niners, just outclassed, outplayed, outcoached just look terrible and I think it all boils down to Jerry Jones the the Cowboys will always be that mediocre team that will probably win the NFL East when it's down and then probably losing the divisional round or maybe even a first round playoff game but they'll never get that over that hump to the Super Bowl and what's what's crazy is is that Dak Prescott is an uh, I wouldn't say a great quarterback, but an efficient quarterback to the point where you could possibly get some really great wins if you put players around him and possibly maybe get to the Super Bowl. But you got to put players around him, and he has to be around some really great coaching. He he actually has a little bit of talent, but it's so much chaos down there. I don't I don't think it'll ever come to fruition, and it's going to get to a point where the fans will just start saying that. Trey Lance is better, and I don't think that was fair to Dak at all, especially coming off that ankle injury like he did, um, and still playing at a high level like he's been doing. It just Jerry Jones is just just can't get out of his own way. That's that's a true loser right there. Yeah, and I mean that's been the case for Dallas pretty much. I don't know the past two decades, two decades trying to get back to you know the glory days of the nineties. But yeah, well, yeah, the Romo like and Dak are—they're not—they're not Tom Brady. They're not tier one quarterbacks. I think they're more tier two. But with a tier two quarterback, 
you can still have a great team and get far. You need the pieces there. You need the coaching. Like, you know, for instance, uh, a Patrick Mahomes is a tier one. No matter who's the coaching or who's the players out there, he's going to make plays and elevate that team. That's where his talent level is. I think Dak has to be in the right situation to maximize. Not a bad player, but if you get a few pieces on his team, and then when he goes into that, you know, mode of trying to run, he then he runs it. But he needs also a, a, a good coach to guide him as well. Yeah, and I think part of, and we've seen kind of a little bit of turnover, particularly in the wide receiving core room the past two or three seasons. I think not really having a true number one like he did when he was first coming in. I think also, hate to say it, but having... Ezekiel Elliott to compliment Tony Pollard as kind of that one-two power punch. I think, yes, Tony Pollard can be a workhorse back. I said that last year. But he if he needs a breather, now you're going further deep down into the depth chart. And I, Dallas barely uses their tight end. So, yeah. yeah, I think Dak gets a lot of the blame because he is the quarterback of the team with the star on the helmet. So you're going to have all the eyes on you, no matter what you do, good or bad. But yeah, I think that there needs to be some offensive changes because I don't know if that defense is good enough to get turnovers and you're not going to play the Jets. You're not going to play teams like the Giants every single week. You, you still have games against Philadelphia left. You don't think Jalen Hurst is going to look at some of the game tape and be like, cool, we can embarrass this team. You don't think the defense is like, we can get to Dak Prescott, get him rattled, we can make some plays. Yeah, Like the season isn't lost, but if they don't make changes, it could be a slippery slope. Oh, yeah. If, if there's no changes made, I believe that McCarthy – will be fired. He'll be fired. Keep going. Winners. Let's get some winners. Let's get good news. Let's get some winners. And first, let's start off with Nathaniel Hackett because granted that game was god-awful at the end. It was calamity, hilarity. But if you don't know, Nathaniel Hackett's now on the offensive staff with the Jets. And the Mm -hmm. Jets went to go play the Broncos and the Broncos lost, which means the Fanny Hackett won. And again, Sean Payton out of his depth. Like, not, not that Zach Wilson played great because he didn't. It was more that defense, as always, wins when Zach Wilson was the quarterback. But yeah, this, the Daniel Hackett deserved that win. He got the game ball at the end, and I'm, I'm glad for him. Because he escaped a nightmare situation. Right. And it was beautiful to see. Nice. Sticking with the winners, Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. Chicago Bears fans, how are you feeling? Quarterback of the future. We don't need Caleb Williams. Maybe still get Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, yeah. But the thing about it is is that (laughs) He had one good game. Can he string that together? I mean, he strung together 14 straight losses. Almost a win in Denver, I mean, against Denver in Chicago. But 
I, I've seen this from Justin Fields. I know he's capable of doing it. But if you want to go from good to great, you got to consistently do that. Those are games you have to consistently do, you know, or, or you just you're having a bad game and you, you drive the, the team down the field for a winning score. I got to see that type of moxie from him. I don't see that from him. And I said it's going to be too inconsistent for him. As I said, you're playing the Redskins. It was already shoddy at best against them on a short week. And they got the win. Congratulations to them. Uh, we'll see what happens next. This we're actually this week coming up. Yeah. Hey. But hey, put them in the put them in get there. A winning streak. No, yeah, I definitely give yeah the Bears winners because you know Bears needed a win. They needed something to feel good. Just because it's been a long season, and you know, it's always good just to pump up the Bears whenever we can because they're not usually in the winner section. True. Oh, they're sticking with. Hometown teams, local to AFR, the Lions just keep chugging along. I I think they're for real. Again, I'm hesitant just because it seems like it's just turning into the David Montgomery show. And as much as, you know, you pay the man and obviously gives being hurt, kind of gives more touches to Montgomery, I'm I'm still perplexed that, you draft a running back in the future, twelfth overall. If you're if an offensive player drafted in the first fifteen, you're a day one starter. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still confused as to why David Montgomery gets all the touches in the running back room. Like there are some games, like game flow or not, like he's out there, third and short, getting touches. He's obviously goal line. He's going to be touchdown vulture and. You know, I'm sure there's something incentive in the contract, but yeah, it seems like the offense is going around him when you have so many other pieces mm. that you know deserve the ball. But I, he gets his money. Like Lions fans get the win; they're happy. So, but I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But Correct. Yeah. Just, yeah, just just putting that out there because I know all the Lions fans have shared it. Kind of the odd games, just kind of look, thinking that, yeah, you, you draft to get, you draft players high to get them the ball. Yeah, that, that's totally and correct. Important yeah. There's some winners from the college game. Obviously, our Rockets, and we'll do a quick Rocket recap on the flip side. But the Quanson, when when he's on his game. And it was said even in the blowout loss against Ohio State by the commentators on national TV. Like, he he might be the best group of five quarterback in the country. Mm-hmm. Like, between the running, the throwing, just decision-making, yeah. The, the Quan Finn is a playmaker. I don't want to, like, toot the horn. But he's one of the best quarterbacks we've had in the midnight blue and gold in a while. Right. And I, I don't want to say, you know, send anyone because then, you know, the calls, the phone line is going to blow up and be like, well, you know, going back to you know, yesteryear. But, yeah, he's, he's a sight to behold. He's a sight to see. Hmm. And the last winner for me Oregon Ducks. 
Okay. Washington Huskies. They both both teams are pass happy, trigger happy. Granted, they played this week, so someone's got to win, someone's got to lose, unless they in, in a, well they can't in a tie because it's college. Mm-hmm. But seeing those two offenses makes me appreciate the transfer portal just a little bit more because we Bo Nix is forty, pushing on forty five, right. still in college. Michael Penix left Indiana, who probably could use him. Mm-hmm. Went with his offensive staff up to Seattle. Like, if it wasn't for the transfer portal, would we be talking about Washington and Oregon as a top ten matchup for the first time ever in prime time? No. If they, they weren't in the undefeated, is that what you said? No, what we'd be talking about them. Oh, okay. I thought you said both were undefeated. No. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I I just think that with the transfer portal, I think this shows like the positive side. Again, both of these quarterbacks are veterans of college athletics. I think Michael Penix is, uh, you know, 30 now, mm-hmm. 31, 32. But, yeah, I, I appreciate if this was the way that we're going in terms of having quarterbacks that are there multiple years. Um, if we're going to lean in the NFL for pro-happy offenses mm-hmm. where we want to see 30, 40, 45 points a game. Mm. Like, these are the kind of quarterbacks that we're going to start seeing get drafted day one, early day two, Mm -hmm. that are the dual threats. So you have a Michael Penix who, personally, I think Michael Penix's game will translate a little bit better at the next level Mm -hmm. than Bo Nix, but I think they're both Teams will both look at them and be like, yeah, well, you can be our quarterback of the future. But, yeah, again, as T.O. said, get your popcorn ready because when these two offenses are clicking, mm-hmm. it might it might literally be the first to 60 wins. Right. And with that, that is this week's edition of Winners and losers from the NFL and college football. No, thanks so much. One of the most listened to uh, podcasts that we have. And if you want to check out our podcast because you missed the live show or missed it on Facebook. Live is WHD's after further review with a picture of Frank Bashers and the horse's head on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Uh, coming up next, what do you got? What do you got on the docket, uh, David? Uh, we'll take a quick quick look at the Rockets' victory against UMass or UAS <laughs> and look forward. Can the Rockets get make it six in a row? Mm, interesting. You listen to 88 points at WXUT's after further review when we return. We'll talk a little bit of Toledo Rocket football next. <laughs> 